by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, back before they had a Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, they had a thing uh, you may remember, it was called a newspaper. And if you wanted to buy or sell, you had to go to the classified ads of this. It was a, it was a paper thing that you had to look through. And uh, in there, I saw a 1978 Camaro that caught my eye. And so I called and said, I'd like to look at, you know, this Camaro. It was at a really good price. And so he said he lived somewhere in Arkansas and that he would meet me in West Memphis to take a look at it. And I said, okay, I'll be over there because I lived in Memphis at the time. We set up a time when we met and man, that car come pulling in the parking lot and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful blue, had a fresh new paint job on it. I'll never forget how pretty it looked. Nice tires and everything. I got on the inside, spotless. Good looking Camaro. I, I'm just going to be honest, I would have paid anything he asked for. <laughs> but, you know, I talked him down a little bit, and we decided on a price, and he signed the title over to me. I was so excited. This was when me and Angie were first dating, and I was going to take it and show it to her. And as I got on the expressway going back to Memphis, anybody ever been on that bridge where you go, <laughs> me and two of my friends, we were all, you know, big old boys, was in a compact car one time going across there, and I'm not, I'm not lying. Every time we went out, every time we hit it, bottomed out, and sparks was flying. I didn't think we'd go make it across. <laughs> but anyway, I was in this Camaro, and it was doing that, but it was seeming like it was doing something else. I couldn't tell what it was. And as I got on the expressway to go around to get to my, where I live, if I got over 55 miles an hour, that thing started shaking. And I got it home, and I was thinking about it, and I tried to call the guy back. He wasn't answering his phone. I said, where does that guy live? Somewhere in Arkansas. That narrows it down. <laughs> I guess that's why he met me somewhere, you know. He had sold me a car that had a broken frame. But I'm telling you, that paint job looked really nice. And I'm sure somewhere along the line, somebody said to him, just slap a coat of paint on it. It'll be all right, right? And I say that because that's, that's what we do with our Christianity sometimes. We just want the outside to look good. I was watching a show the other day with Angie called Iron Resurrection. It's a car show where they restore old cars. I like that term, iron resurrection. And they had an old white Chevy truck come in there in the 60, from the 60s. Looked pretty good as it was. I'd have been happy with it the way it was, but the guy wanted to get it overhauled because he you know, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. And so I was thinking to myself, slap a coat of paint on it. It'd be all right. But you know what they did? They took the bed off of that truck. They unscrewed the cab, took it off 
took the motor, the transmission, the front end out, took the wheels off. They took the windshield off of it. They took the interior out. They not only got it down to the bare bones frame, but then they got a sandblaster and blasted the rust off of it. And then they got some metal and a welder and reinforced the frame before they went back and put everything else on it and restored this thing. They restored it from the inside out. And that's what God does. We talked about that last week, didn't we? We said God works from the inside out. What's God's family business? Anybody remember? You are listening. Give yourselves a big hand. <laughs> Restoration. So today's question that we're going to answer is, who's the chief mechanic of restoration? That's right. The Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. He is the chief mechanic of restoration. There's some other things that he is as well. He is the power of our resurrection. He is the agent of our salvation. And he is the captain of our sanctification. Now, sanctification is a big word that we use in church, but if you don't never been told what it means, it's from that point that you give your heart to Jesus until that point that Jesus comes back. That's your restoration progress, progression. You see what I'm saying? That's the time where we're in this in-between state. We're not quite to heaven yet, but we're not who we used to be. And God begins to work with us, and we have this mechanic of restoration that he brings on the inside of us, and his name is the Holy Spirit. He is a person. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit, and all three are God. All three are distinct personalities, and they all three work in our lives to bring about resurrection, restoration, salvation, and sanctification. Somebody say amen. God cares about you as a rounded person, and he's trying to not just slap a coat of paint on you. Some of us are, are happy to, you know, I go to church on Sunday, and we talk a good game, but there's really been no framework. There's been no stabilization, and when we get up to speed, we get to wobbling. Oh, we look nice and blue on the outside. But he ain't going to just, you know what another thing the Holy Spirit is? I don't want to leave this one out. He's our DJ of love. <laughs> I'm serious. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So what good is getting... Uh, getting yourself all gussied up if you have no love what good is saying a bunch of stuff sounding like a, a gong if you have no love what good is giving your life for the work of the ministry if you have no love you've probably done more destruction than you've done good so the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you that love to really be molded into the image of Jesus. 
Jesus said in John 6, 63, that the Spirit, and that's with a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. And we know that we expect when we die as Christians, we're going and live forever. That's eternal life, right? But what about during this process of sanctification? We don't have eternal life yet. The Bible says, know you not that the kingdom of God is within you now. You have access to eternal life. But many times we walk around still walking in the same old death that we got saved from. We need a restoration. God's eager to reach out with his love and restore all who have lost their way. And so are we. Human effort accomplishes nothing. There was no way that you could have worked or earned your salvation. To be honest, the only thing that you can do to help in your restoration is just be obedient and be surrendered and be willing to follow the leading of the mechanic in your life, the DJ of love. Jesus said the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. There's two things that we need to concentrate on. We keep our eyes on Jesus, maybe three. But his words and his spirit. Well, who was it was hovering over the waters when God created the earth and it was dark and without form and void and darkness was over the deep? And who was it that was hovering over the waters? Who was it that was the power of God to bring life to a dead planet? Holy Spirit. The Ruach, the Hebrew calls him. The very breath of God. What you felt this morning during worship was the breath of God blowing through this place. The presence. And what did God I love what Chad said the other day, that God said and he created the animals, but God got down into the dirt with his own hands and he created a man. You were hand-built. God created you with his hands, but he didn't stop there. He breathed his Ruach into you. And you became a living man, in fact, or woman. In fact, in Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Who is the giver of life? It's the Holy Spirit. You say, but... I thought it was the Father. I thought it was Jesus. The, Colossians 1 says that Jesus, all things were created by him and for him. Well, guess what? They're all one. And when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about the Spirit of Jesus. And when you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about somebody who was named after his Father. Who said, me and the Father are one. I can't, I can't help you understand that because I don't. But I do know there are three distinct personalities and who we're talking about today is the Holy Spirit who we often push to the side and say, I love the Father and I love Jesus, but I don't know about this Holy Ghost. Because somebody named him the Holy Ghost and that put a scare in us.
But he is the holy Ruach. He is the life-giving breath of God. He is the power of God. And, he, and he's with us. I know it don't seem like it sometimes because you can't see him. But then again, you can't see the Father either, can you? And you couldn't see Jesus until he became one of us because he was spirit too. Does that mean he doesn't exist? The Ruach. He breathed his life into man's nostrils. And then right off, Adam drove his Camaro into the sin ditch. And since then, earth has become a freeway to pride and selfishness. Just a pile up. Everywhere you go, sin has infected the planet. God said, the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. He lived to be 900 years old, but his, spiritually he died that day. And he had to be ushered out of God's presence because he was no longer alive to God, who is life. But God had a plan. And God sent Jesus. Say, God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to pay our sin debt that we couldn't pay. And on that cross, he paid it and he said, it is finished. And then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Do you see the picture? God sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. All three are involved in your restoration. They are working in concert. They work as one. And the Holy Spirit restored eternal life back to us. And where does, where does the Holy Spirit live? But in us. And that's what we talked about. God works from the inside. We must trust in the work of the Holy Spirit. It's been God's plan all along. I, I, I often wonder, how do we become, how do, how do we satisfy being carnal Christians? To go to church year after year and deny that the Holy Spirit is active and alive and he's living in your heart. You see, it was God's infinite wisdom and his plan from the beginning. He knew Adam was going to sin. But he didn't just want to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the afternoon anyway. He had a better plan. He wanted to walk in us. And he didn't just want to walk in, a, in people that didn't welcome him or didn't want him. He wanted to walk in those who had chosen him. So everything he does is by faith. And he just respects our free will to choose. So he set up a system so down here we can say, Yes, Jesus, I belong to you. Holy Spirit, I welcome your work in my life. I choose you. And he can be in those who want him. And reside with them and empower them. But those who reject him, reject their very life. They, there'll be nobody in heaven that will say, I deserve this. They'll all be saying, thank you, Jesus. But there'll also be nobody in hell that said, God sent me here. 
Because their eyes will be open and they will realize that they have rejected the very life that God tried to give them. It was their decision to reject life. And so they got death eternally. Do you understand? God is life. And the further you get away from Him, you're walking towards death. And if you reject life, you get death. It's your choice. Just as God breathed into man at creation, Jesus breathes into us at our rebirth when we're born again. In John 20, verse 22, he's with the disciples after his resurrection. He says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you're going to find a few scriptures in there that you're going to try to argue and say that I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, that his, his work has passed away and, and, and the Holy Spirit's not for me. I just go to church on Sunday when it's Jesus' will. Jesus breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, everything he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit because he laid down his his majesty, to come down here to be one of us and to show us that we can operate. He said, the works that I do shall you do also. Because we have access to the same power that raised him from the dead. Receive this power of life, he says. It's the same Ruach that raised me from the tomb. But... We're walking through this valley of the shadow of death. We're at that weird time in history that we have eternal life, but there's still this enemy out there called death and decay. Our frames are still rusted. Our transmissions are wearing out. Everything's getting older. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, says it like this. Now we have the light shining, meaning the Holy Spirit. We have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. We're still in this old earth suit. And it decays and it gets older. As I can attest when I look in the mirror every morning. I can see it happening day by day. So we have this great power, but it is in earthen vessels. Does that make sense? And that makes it clear that this great power is from God and not from ourselves. So that's a good thing. So once again, God knows what he's doing. He doesn't have a bunch of us running around saying, look at me. He has a bunch of us running around. Everybody knows it ain't you. All those cracks, but the light's coming out. A vessel unto honor that's been broken for the master. And everybody knows it ain't you. And it's all pointing to Jesus. And if he be high and lifted up, then it'll draw all men to him. 
And he is the Savior. And we point to Jesus. So though this outward man is perishing, this inward man is being renewed day by day. I'm getting stronger on the inside, stronger spiritually, more biblically wise, and more humble. I'm like the king of humble. God is trying to work it out. Your salvation is already placed on the inside of you, and God's trying to work it out for the benefit of others. So we could complain and we could say, oh, man, this trip is so hard. And we could moan and just like, do like the world, and then nobody wants what we have. King James says this light affliction is but for a moment, but it works for us a far greater way to glory in the life to come. It don't seem like a moment. It don't seem light. But in the scope of eternity, it's just a breath. And we can know that it's working for us. That if we let that light shine, even in the darkness that we're living in, we're pointing others to Christ, and we're saving up treasure in heaven. And there is a purpose behind our suffering. There is a purpose behind our pain. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, a few verses down, says that is why we never give up. And if you're thinking about giving up, don't. There's a purpose behind your pain. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Remember I talked about you can't see the Holy Spirit? Does that mean he's not there? Jesus explained him like a wind blowing. You, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Are people seeing the effects of the wind in your life? So we don't look at the troubles. We don't, we don't focus on the hard times. We know that this light affliction is but for a moment. But there's a purpose in it. So we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. And so Christians should be big picture people. They should see things that the world can't see. I would maybe say to, to the lost, let me show you the hands. Now, I often talk about showing the hands. If you forget what that is, Josh, you're leaving. I'm going to show you the hands. See, he's left. <laughs> See, he's my boy. And, and when, I was, when he was young and being raised, I would show him the hands. Boy, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to pull my belt off on this hand. <laughs> but on this hand, if you tighten up and stop crying and whimpering and act right, me and you will go throw some baseball, or go get some ice cream. Which hand do you want? It makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? They never choose the wrong hand. It's once you show them the hands, 
the choice is clear. And I'm trying to show you the hands today. So let me show you the hands in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Josh may never come back. Somebody go lock that back door. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, <laughs> lustful pleasure, sorry Josh, <laughs> idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, Division, and it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You notice that it doesn't say other issues. These are sins. Some of you are getting excited when I said sexual immorality. Yeah. Drunkenness and wild parties. Well, that's your flesh talking. That's choosing this hand. But let me show you a better hand. Well, let me go ahead and say this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can I soften the blow on that scripture a little bit? I, I, I don't know. It says what it says. Now, could it possibly mean that you can be saved, but you're not inheriting the blessings of God in your life? Quite possibly. You're not saving up treasures in heaven, that's for sure. So you're not you're inheriting the blessings there. But how about let's just not test that scripture. That's what I like to do. I just don't want to be over on that scripture. If I get a, in, over on this hand, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, God. And I'm going to repent. That means turn back. Because let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In one place it says you used to live like that, but that was before you got saved, before you got the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. Now if you live like that, if you, if you visit back over here, then you need to, your, your heart should be telling you that's where, not where I live anymore. I'm going back over here. But on this hand, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. The DJ of love, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and something we all need. Self-control. There's no law against these things. You don't have to feel bad about yourself when you're operating on this hand. There's no reason to, to feel condemnation or conviction or anything. That's, that's peace right there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. What does Galatians 2.20 says? No longer I live, but Christ liveth in me. I am crucified to this world, man. It sneaks up on me every now and then. But thank goodness for 1 John 1, 9 and a 
heart ready to repent and a God who's ready to forgive. We've crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, and you notice that's a capital S, not by our Spirit, but by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Not just your Sunday part of your life, but at your job, and at your school, and at the DMV. If Jesus lived victoriously through the power of the Holy Spirit, so can we. I look at the work of the Spirit in his life. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was given life by the Holy Spirit, and so are we at our rebirth. He was baptized by the Holy Spirit. You remember the Holy Spirit descended on him? He was water baptized and he was spirit baptized. And so can we be. He was tested by the Holy Spirit when he led him into the wilderness. The Bible says that God doesn't tempt us, but he'd certainly test us. Why? Because of that process of sanctification. Unless you test those muscles, they're never going to get stronger. Why do you think he left the devil down here to give us somebody to beat up on? We've got to have an opponent to make us stronger. So we'll be tested by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're going through a bad situation just to see if you're going to have a bad attitude. If you understand what's happening here and you're led by the Holy Spirit, you'll stop griping all the time. And you'll begin to see problems as opportunities. He performed miracles by the Holy Spirit. I don't know. He said the same works that I do shall you do also. He preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so should we. Do you trust when you're, when you're wanting to invite somebody to church, when you're wanting to minister to somebody, it'd be a good idea to stop and say, help me, Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say and give me the words not to say. And let me know when to be quiet. The Holy Spirit may just say, don't talk, just listen. Let them talk. You'll be surprised because he knows their heart and how to reach people. And just I, there's no blanket one thing covers all kind of conversation you can have with people. You've got to get into the inside of their heart, right? You've got to start from the inside, and the Holy Spirit is the key, and he knows how to get to the inside of somebody's heart. And so if we would minister under the power of the Holy Spirit, this place would be full right now. People would be lined up to get in here. We'd be having seven services a day. Let's see what else he did. He was able to offer himself a perfect sacrifice by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's not asking us to, to die for him, but we certainly can live for him. And that is a sacrifice. He knows that sin can be pleasurable for a moment.
sacrifice, the pleasure. Nail it to His cross, your passions. And live for Christ. No, it's not easy. Somebody right now is thinking, you mean I can't have sex outside of marriage no more? I mean, that's a big, important part of my life. I don't know if I could do it. Maybe you could. If you're ready to crucify that flesh. Live according to God's Spirit on the inside of you. He will give you the power to do it. He wouldn't ask it if he wouldn't give you the power to do it. And of course, Jesus, he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love you, Mary Ellen. Come here. I don't want to see you sitting over there by yourself. Come and sit over here in my seat. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same, capital S, Spirit living in you. Live in the light as He is in the light. Live in the life. Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection plainly, don't leave home without him. Go and wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. He told us that he's our comforter, he's our counselor, he's our helper, our encourager, he's a trusted friend and the power to overcome sin. He told us so much about the Holy Spirit before he left. Look at John 14. You see, God's plan all along was not for us to be carnal Christians. That is, he must be scratching his head about that one. How, now, how did y'all ask me to come into your life but reject my spirit that I send to give you supernatural power to live and to overcome? You know, the Holy Spirit is the difference in the Peter that denied Christ and the Peter that would go on to be the pillar of the early church. The Holy Spirit is the difference in the Saul that was confused about his life and, and confused about God and the Paul who God would use to bring most of the world to himself through his written word. The Holy Spirit is also the architect of this church and all churches. Jesus says, I will build my church and the Holy Spirit is who he sent with the plans and the power to get her done. And next week we'll talk more about that because I'll just give you a taste. This church cannot accomplish what we are called to accomplish that he's given us on these banners in carnal strength. I don't know about you, but I just cry out for more. Cry out for revival. God, there's got to be more. And we'll get a taste. But then it is almost back, back to carnal Christianity, it seems. It's just almost like, Lord, get us over that, that. Help us to somehow bridge that gap between our flesh.
fleshly desire to just, let's not get too crazy. Listen, let's keep this under control now. Let's control God. Let's not let him out of the box. And God's desire for revival and the supernatural move of God here that will draw our community and save thousands of souls like on the day of Pentecost. The church was 120 on the day of Pentecost until they got filled with the Holy Spirit and there was 3,000 saved that first day. How long would it have taken them to do like we're doing to grow to 3,000? We ain't got to the 120 yet. So I, I'm not lightning smart. I'm not no rocket surgeon. But I have noticed that this thing ain't going to happen in carnal Christian strength. And that neither should it or would I want it to. Because I refuse to be a seeker-friendly church that's going to draw the people because of our amenities. Because we don't have any amenities and I don't know what that word means. <laughs> but if it ain't God, I don't want it. But if it's God, I want it with all my heart. I want it with everything within me. And I'm showing you the hands. He's the architect of the church and we're his new temples. He's our own board GPS, God positioning system. He's the interpreter of our Vehicle manual. He's our own star, direct line to heaven. When we don't know how to pray, he prays for us. He never abandons us or leaves us broken down on the side of the road. And he will get us to the finish line. If we do one thing. One thing. It's our responsibility. You say, what is that, Pastor? What do we got to do? What do we got to do? Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ruin your life. Or experience life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, that word be filled is pleru in the Hebrew. or the, the No, that would be Greek. Pleru. Say pleru. I wish I had a joke about that. It seemed like there should be a joke there. Pleru. I'm pleading with you. Best I could do. Pleru. An active verb meaning giving the impression of not just filling one time and then it going down, but a constant filling. Staying topped off, so to speak. That's a mechanic term. It, is your car topped off? You, are you full of oil or are you, are you putting wine in your engine? How's that going to work out for you? Are you putting the oil of the Holy Ghost 
on the inside of your engine? Are you staying topped off? Can you imagine driving your car bone dry of oil? That's why carnal Christianity ain't getting you nowhere. The question is, how are you maintaining your vehicle? Are the only lights shining the ones on your dashboard? Saying, check engine. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.